All right, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm. Psalm 2. Go right to the very beginning. Crack open your Bible. It's almost in the middle, and you're going to find the book of Psalms. Psalm 2 in the book of Psalms. Give you a chance to get there. We're going to start off by reading three verses. We'll read more of them in this psalm, and we're going to make reference to other passages in the Bible. I'd like to go through this psalm itself a little bit and look at some things. And let's read three verses, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll begin. Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves together, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. When you look at this passage of scripture with me today, one of the things that always strikes me, I've been for years and years reading the book of Psalms through every month, five a day, gets you through all 150. A few days ago, I was reading this Psalm. Today's the 6th of July, 2022, and I was reading this psalm, and every time I come to Psalm 2, I think, basically, where it says, why do the heathen raise the people imagine a vain thing? And then verse 2 gives you an insult into why, insight into why. You know, when you think about the world we live in, it's not unusual for a Christian to say, why is this world crazy? Why is it so crazy? And I think that the average Christian thinks that this is a new thing, that it's new that the world is crazy and full of self and all the confusing doctrines and all the confusing beliefs about identity and all those things. And so it's not uncommon for a Christian to think that things are worse than ever, but they're not. Someone says they're worse than ever. Nope. The truth is, things have been much worse in the past, and they're going to get worse, worser in the future. And it has to come to pass, because when God shows people some grace and some time, he lets them, as the Bible says, fill their cup up. He lets them keep filling it up and filling it up with rebellion and all those things, But I want us to look at this psalm and ask yourself, why is this world crazy? Let's look at it. But it's going to take an open mind, not about changing what you believe, not about adopting the beliefs of this crazy world we live in in 2022. But it's going to take an open mind about what the Bible says about human nature, what the Bible says about the past, present, and future, and what the Bible says about ourselves as Christians. So let's look at this and we'll get right into it because the verses themselves are the introduction. Now look with me at how it's worded. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Well, vanity and pride and self and, and uh, I, you know, everybody wants control over themselves. Every gender does. Every gender wants to be a different gender, etc., etc., etc. Everybody wants to do their own thing. 
And why do the heathen rage? I remember 30, 40 years ago, uh, they had a Saturday morning program where I lived down under called Rage, and it was all about partying and stuff and the night before and stuff. And it was really basically getting everybody sobered up for Saturday night so they could go out and do it again, as the book of Proverbs says. It says, when shall I wake? Question mark. I'll seek it yet again. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves together and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder, cast away their cords from us. First thought out of these verses is the leaders of the world agree on one thing. They agree on one thing, that God is not king, nor will his anointed be king. There are multiple things they do not agree on and cannot agree on because of all their individuality. But there is one thing they all agree on. Now, they might mention God or Jehovah or whoever or whatever, but they're not mentioning the God. Now, many of you know your Bible, but let's turn to Genesis 11 for a minute and you could mark this passage as a, an example of what he's talking about in Psalm 2 and verse 2 and 3. In Genesis 11, if you memorize your Bible by, say, chapters, by book, what the, the book is basically about, every book in your Bible, the book of Genesis is the word beginning, so it's about the beginning of everything. And if you'll notice in Genesis 11, and you put it in your memory bank now, it's Tower of Babel is the main thought. That in Genesis 11, verse 1, the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, <clears throat> that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, mark it down, go to, mark this two-word phrase, let us. Let us us. They found something that they're going to bind upon, some unity. You're going to find that phrase, let us, in your English Bible, your King James Bible, in verse 3 of Psalm 2, let us break their bands asunder. Let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. In other words, man-made substitutes. And they said, go to, let us, Build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and, ready, let us make us a name lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. If you want to write down Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, you can go find the passage and mark it with your highlighter in your Bible or your pencil or underline it where, where Lucifer's doctrine was, I will, I will, I will. And so, they keep saying, let us. <laughs> then the Lord said, in verse six, this is amazing. Now watch, the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language, which they've been trying to get ever since the beginning of this. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So God made man, so mankind, so creative, intuitive, etc. that if they put their mind to it and they've got a cooperative mind, 
There's no telling what they can do. That's why people want one language so they can be able to share intelligence and share information and skills. And so God says his own let us go to, let us go down and there confound their language. And he did, called Tower of Babel. That's why when he did that, things went downhill quickly because you didn't have all that shared knowledge. Nowadays, you can put on an app, you can do this or that, you can uh, put on an instructional video and hit, you know, translate, and you can have it in your language. Sometimes you can have it in many, many languages. But what is the point? The point is, by the way, Genesis 11 explains Psalm 2, verses 1 to 3. And it was at the very least 3,000 years ago. Let me say this quickly. The Bible, now listen, not commentators, not professors, not critics. The Bible is the authority on the history of the human race. Mark this down from your Bible, your King James Bible. Many of them confuse this issue. I, I know you don't think they would, but they do. Mankind is 6,000 years old as far as since leaving the garden. God gives you genealogies. I've gone to the trouble through the years past to get the big poster board and one by one take the ages of this person lived this long, begat so-and-so, draw it out. Mankind is 6,000 years old approximately, give or take a couple decades, not thousands and millions of years. The period from Adam leaving the garden of Christ was 4,000 years. Get that, 4,000 years. Solomon dedicated the, the temple around 4,000, around, sorry, 1,000 BC. So it's 4,000 years for the Old Testament, 1,000 BC before Christ. So now, since Solomon alone, it's been 3,000 years. Even the rulers of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, in the Old Testament, and by the way, they're still God's people, not the geopolitical one. Be careful. Even they wavered in their preeminence of Jehovah. Let me give you a verse to write down. Luke 23, verse 12. Luke 23, 12. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. For before they were at enmity between themselves. What brought this about was the demand of the Jewish leaders to kill, to crucify, to condemn the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they were both, Pilate and Herod, caught in the middle of this thing to try to get themselves extricated, they were enemies before this. They were political enemies, aspirational enemies, ambitious enemies. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. Enemies before, hmm, now they're friends over what? One thing. The Jews said, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so they didn't. They, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they had someone else reign over them. Now, don't wander down the political trail right now about America and the United States and the United States Constitution. That has absolutely nothing to do with your Bible. Whatever laws they pass, whatever things happen has nothing to do 
with God and his people. America is not God's nation. That is not an anti-American statement. That's a pro-God statement. Listen, many of the people in the so-called right, and I, I, I am, I'm conservative, but they will support a man who has very little or no reverence for Jesus Christ and his father, but it's just because he's better. Uh, you know, which devil do you want? Listen, even after a thousand years of Christ reigning, the world will follow Satan one last time in a search for independence. Do you get that? So independence is not what God's looking for for you. It's dependence on him, which gives you independence from the world. Your own craving for independence is at the very least rooted rooted in the Luciferian doctrine. What doctrine is that? I will. I will. The greatest danger to Christianity in the Western Hemisphere is liberty. This is not something new for me. I've been saying it for almost four decades. I've been saying it as I traveled the world in the pathway of duty. And I've said before, I used to send... Back one was cassette tapes. I'd send cassette tapes back to the states from the mission field and to, just to individuals or people I knew and say, please get your Bible out and listen to this. The danger for Christians is liberty, our insistence on liberty. Should you use what you have? Yeah. Galatians 5.13, only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. That is the problem. When Paul said, for brethren, you've been called unto liberty, he then said in the same sentence, only use not your liberty for an occasion of the flesh ready, but by love serve one another. So the first trouble is that the leaders of the world agree on one thing. We will not have this man to reign over us. And they're in agreement with the people that presented Jesus Christ and demanded he be crucified. Okay? The second thing that you see in the passage then is he says, why do they? Well, the first reason is because the leaders, they set the tone. They set the... <clears throat> you see, if, if, if leaders... Now, now, wait. You think it's about somebody in the White House. You think it's about somebody on the, the, the parliament of somewhere of some government and Western civilization and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're talking about the kings of the earth or anybody who leads. Local government, etc. fine. I'm talking about God's people. Out in the world, I expect them to be crazy. Why? Because the leaders of this world agree on one thing universally, and that is, you say, well, I know someone who mentioned God and he was a leader and yeah, and if you go look at his life, he's no not much of a Christian. I have I for listen, I'm sixty-seven years old, so I've been around a little bit. I know I ain't been around long some, but I've been around a little bit, and I've watched people hook on to political leaders in our country here in the United States of America and just act like they were the answer to everything because they weren't as bad as someone else. But when you get get digging deeper there, you say, Well, that's anti this and no, no, no. I'm pro-God. I'm pro the Lord Jesus. I'm pro 
God's people need to not get entangled with the affairs of this life, 2 Timothy 2. Because the second thing is this, the lust for liberty and independence. Why is this world so crazy? First of all, their leaders agree on one thing. Why is this world crazy? Because of the lust for liberty and independence. You take rage. Why do the people rage, rage and riot and we're rebelling? Why are you surprised? It says they imagine vain things. That's just a self-centered life. See, the, the, the challenge today is that Christians are comparing themselves to a crazy world. Listen, since Adam and Eve ate in independence, sin has ruled in every human without a miraculous work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So sin has ruled in you also. Since Cain killed Abel, people have confused the power to do something with the right to do it. Cain had the power to kill Abel. He didn't have the right to do it. They were talking the other night. Listen, Joab had the power to kill Abner and Asahel, Amasa rather, for killing Asahel. But he didn't have the right to do it. Joab didn't have the right to kill Abner because of something that happened in wartime, in combat. You see, how do you act when you don't get your way? Oh, here's one, especially since 2019. How do you act when they make restrictions on your life? Hmm, how about that? You know, you really don't have the rights that the Constitution gives you. Under God, you don't. Hear me out. You remember what Simon Peter did? I will lay down my life for you. And he, he meant it until his liberty got challenged in the garden. And so he pulled his sword. And you really think you want to go to heaven? And the Lord says, why did you get there? Well, Lord, I lived out my bumper sticker, said you can, you can uh, have my gun when you pry it out of my cold, dead hand. And the Lord's going to look at you or anybody that says it and go, what kind of nut are you? I sent my disciples out into a wicked, cruel world. I told them a couple swords out of 11 was enough. Are you getting this? So you're a pacifist. Absolutely not. You ought to defend and do right. But I'm going to tell you this. You don't, because you have the power to do something violent, doesn't mean you have the right to do it in every situation. You know, the Old Testament, I, many of you probably haven't read it, and I'm not trying to insult you, but I'm trying to challenge you. Many of you don't know that in the Old Testament, you could not inflict a mortal, deadly wound on somebody for many different offenses. Many of them, you're not allowed to kill them for it. So there's many offenses, you're not allowed to shoot somebody. You're not allowed to stab somebody. You're not allowed. By God, you're not. It's not your stuff, and if they touch it, you die. No, it's not. He gave, he, God gave us all kinds of rules about restoration, about trial, etc., amongst his people. So be careful. Do not replace the Bible with the Constitution or the laws of wherever you live. Do not do that. For you and I as Christians, it's about the Lord reigning. See, 
Verse 3, Psalm 2, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. They're saying, we want our liberty. We want our independence. We want to do our own thing. Now you think the world's gone crazy because they want to do that. Child of God, are you that way in your personal life? Oh, you're not out riding and looting and all that or <clears throat> trying to throw down all, all kind of stuff. But are you that way in your language? Are you that way in your attitude? Do you speak evil of dignities, which he warned about in the book of Jude? In other words, why is this world crazy? Well, they're crazy because the leaders of the world, they agree on one thing. They're not going to have the Lord and his son to rule over them. And then that carries over to others where the lust for liberty and independence. So I would say to you today, do you know that's a danger in your life and my life? The greatest challenge is what will I do with my liberty? The greatest challenge is what will I do with my freedom? The greatest challenge is what will I do with my words and my mouth, my actions and my spirit? Why is the world crazy? Because the leaders, they, they disagree on, on almost everything, but they agree on one thing. They're not going to let the Lord lead them. And listen to me, I hate to tell you this, but laws that you like doesn't mean the person passing it is godly. It just means they have to agree with what you agree on. If it's somebody, you know, out in the political realm running for office and they agree with what you agree, that doesn't make them godly. What in the world has happened to Christianity? We are supposed to be a peculiar people, not because of all the things we demand, but because we're surrendered to Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look at that because the third thing is this. Now we're going to pick it up in verse four. In verse four, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. You might want to mark, highlight, circle the word then. Not until, but then. There's a time he'll do it. Then. It's not necessarily midterm elections and all that rubbish. No, it's then. But here's point number three. All right, so why is this world crazy? Number one, the leaders of this world agree on one thing against God. And the lust for liberty and independence fuels that. But number three, we learn from this passage, the last laugh is God's. The last laugh is God. They say, who, 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 he who laughs, laughs last, laughs loudest. Well, it said, he'll, he that sit in the heavens shall laugh. Do you understand this? I heard one old time preacher say, he's going to be with the Lord now. He said, it'd be like a big old German shepherd, you know, trotting down the sidewalk and a little old chihuahua runs up to him and he's just barking and yelping and everything. And, and if he could talk, he'd be saying, come on, you big galuka. I, you're, what are you afraid of me? Why are you running away? And German shepherd just keeps right on moving. He's just chuckling. He's just laughing. You know, older brother, much older brother and little baby brother. Baby brother's all frustrated and trying to get a punch in on his brother. And his brother's got his hand on his head. Not hurting him, just got a little bit of hold of his hair so he can keep him away. And he's just holding him away. And the big brother's laughing. The little brother's just furious. 
What's that a picture of? This world. The Lord just laughs. He goes, really? So y'all are going to do this and y'all are going to do that. Y'all are going to save the earth. By the way, I think y'all be a good steward and everything you should. I can remember as a young fella, young fella, eight, nine, 10 years old, maybe 12, all through those years, eight to teenager. I can remember my granddad had some property outside of town and it had hills in it and it had a pond that had been dug and a uh, pretty good sized one and they had created a dam to do that so it had a holler down below it, had an overflow ditch and then on those hills, every single time I went out there, we would spend time at least a day when I'd go out there and stay with him, days, two, three, I mean, I would be glad to have missed all school just to go out there and be on that land, amen. We would cut trees. In the winter, we would set traps for furs and we would run traps. We would hunt rabbit. Winter time, it was safe to eat them. Grandma would cook them. We'd hunt pheasant. We'd be out there in that snow doing that stuff and running those traps. In the summer, we would cut trees. And every time I went, we would gather up as many rocks. We would get buckets and wheelbarrows, get bought rocks, and we'd go down that hillside and we would fill in anything that looked like it was eroding. And we'd fill it in. What were we doing? We're trying to stop the erosion. Okay? And I understand that we live in a society of, of erosion. I understand that we live in a society. But let me say this. It's not... You're not going to save the earth. Now, should you be a good steward? Yes. Uh, work on the erosion. Why, well, at that time, we had a guy from the agriculture department come out. And he said, man, this pond is overrun with bluegill. And you need to catch as many as you can and do something with them. Either eat them or whatever or turn them into fertilizer. Because none of those other fish are going to be able to multiply. They're just going around eating the eggs. And we could catch 20 or 30 or 40 in a day. I mean, you'd put the little worm on there, throw it out there under a float. Boom, boom, boom. And until we weeded them out, I'll bet, and, and we weren't being cruel, I promise. Until we weeded out a couple hundred of those, nothing else started growing. But the next summer, threw that thing out there and that cork went down like a whale had caught it in comparison. There was a big old bass on the end of that thing. I can remember how happy I was that day. What's the point? The point is, I, the world and balance, it's going to go a certain way. Be a good steward. Uh, fight the erosion. Water the plants. All that stuff. But you're not going to save the earth. Because one day, God... You talk about global warming. You, you want to know about global warming? One day, God is going to warm this planet up and He's going to dissolve it by fire. It ain't going to be like any fire you've ever... It's not going to be like ashes. He's going to dissolve it. It's going to make every atom bomb, hydrogen bomb, everything else look like a firecracker. He's going to dissolve it. So be a good steward of the earth. Don't abuse it. But you ain't going to save it. And that's the point. The last laugh is God's. I'll tell you how much he doesn't think of this earth. He doesn't think about this earth anymore. And he thought of that temple that took all that money to build and all that effort. You know what he did with the temple? God's people backslid, right? God's people backslid. So what did he do? <laughs> he let someone else come in 
and destroy it. I mean, tear it to the ground. So he let the temple get dumped. He didn't care. He doesn't care about all this stuff. He doesn't care about the earth as such. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be a good steward. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're conservative and all that, you should be a good steward. You're not supposed to rebel. Listen, many of you are rebelling against the craziness of the world, but in so doing, you're rebelling against God because he gave you some criteria in your Bible. You know, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, the Bible says. A righteous man, a good person, man, woman, boy, girl, takes care of whatever's under their care. When it comes to livestock, when it comes to pets, when it comes to anything. I mean, if you really want to take it over into the New Testament, that could even be maintenance on your vehicle because that's what your beast is nowadays. Most of you don't have an animal you plow with or mow with. So what's my point? Listen, God's going to have the last laugh and nothing's going to keep this world going. Nothing's going to put him out of office. But you need to remember, God's not in office just because the people you like or what makes it more convenient for you and me. Well, fourthly, let's look at verse six. We're going to read six all the way to 12. Hallelujah. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now, picture that. You and I have to decide who is going to be the king of our lives. Not the king the way y'all treat government. I like when I like, I don't like when I don't like, and I'll obey what laws I like. Verse seven, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, now we're going to get into a great prophetical type. And he, Jesus Christ is our picture. He is our example. Watch, not just because he's our savior too, but he is our example. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. What a great missionary verse. I personally have claimed this verse many, many times, going after souls in the uttermost parts of the earth. And then it says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, second coming, and judgment. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Not now, not in your lifetime on the earth, if you're a Christian. Future. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Ready? Here's what should be happening. Serve the Lord with fear. It's good to have a healthy fear of God and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, capital S-O-N, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So the fourth thought is this. Now, okay, ready? Why is this world crazy? Number one, because the leaders of this world, the leaders agree on only one thing. He ain't reigning over us. And the lust for liberty and independence is what fuels the rage and the vanity and the van imaginations. But the last laugh is going to be God's. And so the fourth thing is this, the laying down of our rights to ourselves to God. 
You know how you can tell if a Christian's laid down their rights to God? They can obey laws. Just plain old laws, inconvenient laws, even unfair laws. They can obey them. Now, I'm not talking about stuff that you don't have to suffer for the name of Christ. But you, it, let, let's take this last couple of years. Having to wear a mask is not uh, suffering for Christ. It is not, it is not. I remember when it started. I, this may make it very unpopular. I remember when all that started. And everybody was, and they were having, you know, rules about who could meet and all that. And everybody started this gigantic thing that this was about putting the churches out of business. You know, how ridiculous is that? All you had to do was look, read one article, and they were putting everybody out of business. We were in the service and tire industry business. And you know what? Some of them even went out because they didn't have enough volume and it was considered a necessary service. But you, but there were all kinds of ways in which we needed to make sure for the peace of mind of our customers that we were buying by it. And also for some of the safety of ourselves still, people got a hold on it. But you see Christians that haven't laid down their right to themselves, to God, they don't know how to yield to authority to obey the powers that be to be subject under the ordinance of man listen laying down your right opens the way for god to show you his plan for now for the heathen you know what that is to try to win them to god <coughs> do you understand why there's so much fewer True gospel preaching going on, so much fewer set service. Listen, it's easier, and I don't mean it's it's wrong to do it. It's easier to do projects than it is to be a pastor and plod along and persevere in the pulpit and in ministry to people. It's easier to do junkies and sorties where you go out and you are on a junket for God and you take the gospel, and I'm glad people do, but that's a lot easier than being faithful. When these missionaries go to the other side of the world and they are faithful day in and day out for years, that takes a laying down of their rights to themselves. Listen, when you read verse 8 and apply it in eternity as a record and reward, he said, Ask of me and I will, shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Think about it that way. You say, well, how on earth? Okay, glad you asked. Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way, ready, when his wrath is kindled but a little. There's a when in everybody's life and it's way off in the future. And really your life is all about when. Living for the right when. That's number five, I'm gonna close with this. The long look. Beyond earthly retirement, beyond being set financially, beyond having all your bases covered, the long look. Beyond the grave, what is the long look? It's eternity. Eternity. Is the world crazy right now? Yeah. But I got to tell you this. When I think of the world being crazy, I think of Christianity has lost its mind. Because the Christianity is, is the one demanding their own rights as much as the people 
who've lost their minds demanding their rights. Christians want everybody else to obey and adhere to what they want done, but they themselves, they're not going to go that extra mile. They're not going to go where they lay down their life. So ready? Let's just follow this through and then we'll conclude. The leaders of the world agree on one thing. God's not going to be king, nor is his son. And so the lust for liberty and independence is what fuels the heathen who rage and the people imagine a vain thing. And you, you're like, oh yes, that's how they are. Look at them. And the last laugh is God. You go, oh, I can't wait till he does it. No, hang on. What side of that will you be on when he applies the fires of the judgment seat of Christ to your life, to your attitude, to your spirit? Amen. So the laying down of our right to ourselves, to God, is what he's after. That's the only way that he reaches the uttermost part. That's the only way that he reaches the heathen. That's the only way we got the opportunity to come to Christ and be saved was that the son yielded his will, his right to himself, to the father. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Have you really done that? Have you laid down your right to yourself, to God, and in so doing, that enables you to, to have a sweet spirit, a good spirit, a positive spirit about some of the foolishness that's going on today? Because listen, when he said, let every soul be subject into the higher powers, there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. I, I don't think the average Christian can, will say amen to that anymore. Romans 13, 1. God put him in power. Listen, our goal should be to lay down our right to ourselves to God to demonstrate that that works and having that spiritual soul sanity to seek the souls of mankind in our daily life. Now I know, now listen, some are in full-time pastoring, uh, missionary, evangelist. I get that, Bible teachers. And if you're not careful, you think the only way to do it is the way they're doing it. Well, that's not true. And you, you who are in full-time ministry, you need to back up and slow down and understand the value of everyday Christians being a testimony and a witness out there and an example. And understand that this flash evangelism, this, these great hit and runs have never been the answer. It's a great thing to do it, but it's supposed to be a start, not an end. Because if we're not careful, we don't have the long look. The work of God can only be done by those who lay down their right to themselves and then maintain the laying down of their right to themselves. In here in the United States where we live as Christians, where we live as Americans, I believe with all my heart the great danger, the great danger, is that people are obsessed with liberty they're obsessed with independence. They're obsessed with not being told to do things that they think they have a right to do. <clears throat> and the average Christian knows more about the geopolitical world around them than they do about their Bible. And many of them have forgotten what they might be able to remember of their Bible because it's drowned it out. But you know why? The leaders of this world agree on one thing. God's not... 
There is nobody, and you listen to me, there's nobody that wants to get into the White House who's going to run on the platform that Jesus Christ and Jehovah God are the king of the earth. You say, well, some of them are Christians. Amen, good. But nobody's going to run on that platform. You know why? You can't. Because the world leaders, the leaders of this world, they agree on one thing. Let me say something to you. If you're not careful, you've forgotten that there's a whole lot of Christians, conservative Christians, who are not going to have God rule over them because he would say, hey, obey that inconvenient law. Obey it. Hey, quit mumbling. Do all things, ready? Without murmuring and disputing uh, when it was time and when you had to, and there's probably going to come a time. Put the stupid mask on. Put the stupid mask on. Just do it. Don't do it when you ain't got it, but just listen. It's just a matter of laying down our right. Listen, I'm the least passive person in the whole world. Trust me. And I know, I know Michael so well that I know that I must keep my right to myself laid on the throne of God, laid at the foot of the cross if God wants to do any small good thing through me. And the way you maintain it is by the long look. Yes, it's irritating. Small stuff. But let me say this. Why do the heathen rage? The people imagine the vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder, cast away their cords from us. God is not, God is not on the throne based upon whatever laws you have in your land. God is not on the throne. He has to be on the throne of hearts, of people individually, and then they can get together collectively. Well, for today, let's uh, let's pray and close it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Please use this. I, I know that there's so much that could be said yet. Please use it, I pray thee, in Jesus' name. Amen.